What's up, everyone? Welcome to Dipped in Tone, episode 42. Dose. There it is. Nice. We're back. We were back last week. Um, we had some technical difficulties last week, which have still been unexplained. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know why or, you know, why they're doing you know, what it is, but we're, we're working on it. We're back, Com- though. Computers, man. <sighs> computers. 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 Yeah. So anyways, welcome. We apologize for the uh, the bit of a hiatus that we've, we've taken. Part of it was for medical leave. The other part of it was because uh, Zorch is in a new a new space. Look I at am. that. And, and uh, see, all this was going to be real smoke and mirrors because initially uh, I was just going to set up in the new office, which has the same color wall. <laughs> right. So it was going to feel really samey. But uh, yeah, uh, Sweetwater says the desk that i ordered is at first they were like oh it's gonna be like two or three weeks and i said cool and it's been two weeks and i said hey what's the update on that desk and they said oh it's gonna be three or four weeks and I was like, oh ah! great yep now you're in you're in the uh the proverbial hell of uh or the purgatory of shipping where it's like yeah it'll get we'll get it to you oh man i uh wes from revolta shout out to revolta so they they're in this this facility with me and he said that the containers for guitars, like, cause you know, like their guitars are imported, so they're all put on a shipping container and <laughs> shipped over. Right. He said that con- a container used to be like three grand or so to import, and now they're like $25,000. Oh. So, <laughs> what? Everybody's like, what do we, what do we do? Cause you know, like, I mean, this is, this isn't just like Revolta's problem. This is the world's problem. Why? So, Why is that what, what it is? I don't demand. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Hey man, but, it was that damn boat that got stuck in that canal. Just screwed <laughs> that, everything up. That Suez boat. <laughs> man, that stupid Suez boat. Listen, I got a cousin. We could have done a Z drag setup with a winch. <laughs> <laughs> Off the side by side, we could have had that thing out in two hours, man. Man, you get a trolling motor on the side of that thing, it'd just scoot, turn Listen, right around. I got We're, my K five Blazer stuck to the the frame rails one time, worse than that. And we had it out in a few few. Well, it took us a few days, but uh, we got it out. It does kind of look like I'm on a set. It doesn't. Does it look? It does. does I actually had a friend weird? in high school. I had a friend in high school that had a K five Blazer. It was sweet. He called it the beast, which is a little on the nose if you kind of look back on it. But mm. it was uh, black. He had the doors and the top removed and, and lifted. He used to drive it to school every day. Even if it was 20 degrees outside, he'd drive it to school every day with the, no doors on it. And he got it stuck one time. And it spent. It, he left it out there for like a week and a half. And he had to get his dad. I think his dad like ran a construction company or something. And he had to get his dad to bring like a backhoe out. <laughs> and and dig it out. <laughs> nice spot that he got stuck. Hell uh, yeah, man! Shout out to the Discord chat. Yeah, you guys uh, are, are are going off today. This is great. Sugartooth brings up a really good point. If they'd had a PV boat, they could have taken care of that whole if situation. PV made a if PV made a shipping ship <laughs> container ship, I think is what you the uh, t- technical term. Mm. PV made a container a uh, container ship. That wouldn't have been a problem. It's like a flatbed truck, only turn around. Yep. With a boat motor on it. And it's and it's got a big ass trolling motor on it. That's right. <laughs> well I think every motor is boat motor is a trolling motor if you really think about it. It well, I don't see I don't know. I, I I'm just pulling out words that I've heard, you know, my grandfather say over 
Uh, oh man. Well, yeah. So, so if you guys want to join us live while we're we're actually taping the episode, while the madness ensues, uh, you can join our Patreon link down below and jump on the Discord server and watch us live. We're live on YouTube right now, but only for the patrons. That's right. Not for the rest of y'all. Um, and we've been doing these like post show hang things on, on discord recently, which have been kind of cool, you know, little, little Q and a it's, it's kind of like clubhouse, but less, um, weird, less self promotion sort of vibes and more just kind of hanging out. Man, I just don't, uh, I don't understand any of that. So yeah, this is, yeah, I think clubhouse is kind of done. It, it, it was a flash in the pan. Yeah. Yeah. So, so uh anyways, what's new with you this week? Moved into uh, the new space. What else? Uh I wound uh-oh. some pickups. Uh-oh. Not, not my guitar. Uh so uh Matthew at Novo, which for those listening at home, they're literally behind the camera, behind my microphone, through that wall. That's like the wood shop. <laughs> I thought you were gonna they're, say like they're literally behind the camera just watching. <laughs> it's right there. <laughs> staring at me um the matthew lent me this showroom guitar it, it's a tc saris tc that has been routed for two humbuckers and it had lollertrons in it and he's like here just take this and uh put put your pickups in there so i wound two humbuckers the neck which you heard sounds mm-hmm. pretty good good I'm, yeah it sounds good i was kind of shocked but i mean you know the the recipe for a paf style humbucker has been well discussed and documented, so I'm not break, sure. I'm not I'm not breaking any new ground. The bridge, and and this, I it, it I need to try it in another guitar. It's very bright, but I think part of it might be this Tele bridge, uh huh, coupled with the the Novo, which Novos are bright guitars anyway, uh huh. But I think this combination is just a little too much. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pull these out. Dennis wants to play them, so I'm gonna leave them. Here this weekend, but next week I'm going to rip them out and put them in my Les Paul and see how they sound. Now, did you so. put a cover on that bridge? Because when I saw it, it was uncovered. It, I did. I didn't solder it, um, okay. so it's just kind of squeezed on, on the base plate. Yeah, right. But um, both of them are PAF style uh, wound as as even as I could. You know, so for those that have never watched anybody wind a pickup, there's a machine wind, <clears throat> which is which is um, Machine traversal. So there's like an auto traversal thing that moves the wire back and forth on the coil. Pretty straightforward. That's how Gibson did everything. The fender method was like a scatter wind or a human hand moving the wire back and forth. And I think when most people say hand wound, that's what they're referring to. I don't like that term because to me, that right. I think that makes it's you like think you're, you're winding literally <laughs> 5,000 turns around a bobbin, which is impossible. Um, but both of these, I, I I didn't have my little auto traversal rig set up, so I, I did it by hand. So they're kind of like scatter wound humbuckers, um, which I think is contributing to the brightness. But the the bridge pickup, I don't know, not crazy well, about it. So. Well, is it is it like a presence bright or is it a harsh bright? It's a presence. It's it's like a real okay. just like uninhibited clarity uh. and. Uh, but what's weird is when I brought my Les Paul here the other day and compared it, and the output, they're actually hotter than what's in my Les Paul. Um, hmm. It's just, because I expected it to be, you know, a little bit more crunchy, but it's not. Right. It's just it's just bright. So I think, I don't know, I'm going to mess with it, but uh, I have I have a ton of magnets and all sorts of stuff. And one thing that's interesting, too, 
and I had never noticed this, but it makes sense. Novo, if they have a telly style bridge or whatever, it's an F spacing. Right. So the pole pieces don't line up with the strings, except for in the so You should explain F spacing. So F spacing is fender spacing. And that means from low to high E, the distance between the strings. That's the, you know, your string spacing and your pole piece spacing. So on a Gibson instrument, traditionally the, the humbucker uh, pole piece spacing from center of the high E center to the low E is 49.2 millimeters. But on a fender guitar... If you need to put a humbucker in that style with that style bridge, it's 53 millimeters. So mm-hmm. it's quite a bit wider. So the poles don't really line up with the strings, which I don't think is affecting the brightness, but it does affect the, the string balance, you know, when you're when you're playing string to string. Nice. I can't wait to try them out. Yeah. Could be up there next week, actually. Yeah. Nam time. Nam. You're not going I, to Nam, are you? No. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, okay, I would if there was if if there was anything interesting going on, and I don't think there is. But anyway, mm-hmm. we can get into that. Right, uh, how was your week? Uh, week was pretty good. Was pretty good. Got back from a little beach vacation last week, which is fine. We're not we're not beach people, but we went to go. We we this was the first time seeing my grandparents in like a year and a half. Uh, since before COVID. So we went to go hang out with them. Uh, but doing much better. Out of the sling. Back to playing guitar again. Oh, yeah. I don't have 100% range of motion right now, but I'm I'm good enough to play. Um, and, oh, my Driftwood title caster is about to be done. I'm going to be picking that up next week at, at NAMM. Um, and for those of you that don't know, I've talked about it on the podcast a little bit. But so there's a guy named uh, Chris Alvarado down in Destin, Florida, and Chris is an acoustic guitar builder. He's a luthier. He builds amazing acoustics, and he's getting into the electric world, and this is his first uh, production electric. It's a Tele style with a P90 in the neck. I'm trying to find a picture I can drop in the chat here. Um, so he basically – I've known Chris since I was 16 years old. He's kind of like a family friend, and – He's been making videos on his YouTube channel. They just started making a YouTube channel not too long ago and uh, documenting the build. He's also building an acoustic out of a 3,000-year-old piece of uh, spruce, which is pretty sick. Mm-hmm. But anyway, this is there's the update, the, the picture of where it sits right now. Yeah. And, uh, this is kind of like a beta test. He built this for me to sort of uh, tell him everything that needs to change about it because he's not hip to building electric guitars, but he's damn good at building acoustic guitars so yeah i'm excited man and I, i'm incredibly honored to be uh to be the chosen one for his his the beta testing <laughs> of this guitar you're the so. chosen one you're the chosen one so um yeah there it is pretty excited about it i don't <clears> typically <throat> like super flamey tops but i think that that burst on there looks pretty tasty yeah it, it's it, uh it's it's a uh, it's quilty. It's not like, it's not as like tiger flame, tiger stripes. Yeah, or, yeah. So it's got more of a quilt look, but it's not. Some quilt looks too, mm, I don't right. know, phony right. or something. And this <laughs> one has good. some, it has some nice features, which is like the control plate is actually recessed. So the re- control plate will be flush with the body and uh, and we're doing no pit guard. Originally he was going to do like a quilted maple pit guard on that. And I was like, I don't think so. I don't want to no. do that. Uh, it's gonna be too much 
a little too much wood on the front. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're doing it with just no pick guard. And, uh, it's funny too, because we have very f- different philosophies on, on guitars. Like I'm, I love relic guitars. I love guitars that are worn in. He, Chris hates <laughs> relic guitars. And, uh, I told him, I was like, look, man, um, you should know that I'm going to like play this thing and it's going to get the shit beat out of it because that's <laughs> just how I play guitars. I'm not precious about my guitars. And he was like, yeah, that's fine. Once Is it nitro? Yeah. Okay. Full nitro and so, um, natural back. So it's going to be cool. Do, the the only thing that I'm not crazy about are those abalone inlays. It, it I think it's cool because it is different than what you would normally see right on a but it is it's an acoustic builder building an electric for the first yeah. time and there's little touches like that that come through which is cool yeah what uh is it just gonna have a normal tele control plate just a three-way normal tele three-way switch <clears throat> uh p90 in the neck tele in the bridge um interesting features there's two really interesting features about this guitar one is his neck joint and and he's made videos on this you can go watch it on driftwood guitars on youtube um so he he developed a uh like an indexing sort of design for the for the neck joint so the neck actually indexes into the body and then he's got some recessed uh like stainless steel threaded inserts and then he's bolting the neck onto the guitar with like M6 screws or something like that. So it's not a wood screw going into wood. It's like an actual machine screw going into a threaded insert. And it's super tight tolerance. It's, it's CNC'd. Um, so it should have a really, really strong connection between the neck and the body. And the other interesting feature, and this is, I think, why he wants me to beta test this guitar, is because there's no truss rod Oh, at really? All. There's a carbon D-tube that goes down the neck. And so he he partnered with this company. They do like aerospace components for in like race car stuff, I think. And essentially it's a carbon like rod that is in the shape of a D and it's hollow. So it's a hollow tube and that runs the length of the neck. So essentially what he's doing is strengthening the neck. He He typically uses carbon fiber rods in his... <clears throat> acoustics but with a truss rod right this he's he's trying out no truss rod with the strength of the d-tube and having a good portion of that neck be hollow the idea being it's going to be more resonant or something like that um so yeah i'm going to be taking this out and gigging it i want to see how it handles like temperature change and and you know some people are commenting like uh, well, that's ridiculous. Why would you not do a truss rod? You can't adjust the neck. And I understand that. I also think that if you build the neck properly and you've got such a strong piece of material in there holding it in position, you shouldn't need a truss rod, but we're going to find out. Right. Uh, people in the chat are talking about Novo. Someone said, doesn't Novo do something similar? But they use little um, little pins to kind of the, the the neck pocket in the in the in the neck has little little routes for these little pins that kind of get the neck right in the perfect position. Yeah, but just not, to index nothing, it. Yeah, nothing uh, like that so far as the joint. But yeah, that's interesting. I, the, the lack of trust rod is is I don't know that I, I know it works. You know. Yeah. Uh, you know, there have been a lot of guitars throughout history that just don't have trust rods. Right. But um, 
But you're right. I mean, I notice with all of my guitars, them needing an adjustment every season. You know, like yeah. this, like a quarter turn or an eighth of a turn, just a little turn to get it back where it should be because well, they, they move. Yeah. And that's actually a struggle that I've had in this new space is because I'm in a room, like an upstairs room. It's been difficult. And this house is built in 72, 73. So it's been difficult to like keep the temperature consistent up here. Mm. And so my guitars have had a tough time. Like my Solace, I went to pick it up then play it the other day. And it was like the neck had completely shifted and it was unplayable because the neck had moved so much. And I had to like and I never have to adjust truss rods right. on my guitars. Um, but I had to pull it out and, and like adjust the neck to get it back to where it was is actually playable. So Man. yeah, I think that's gonna be an interesting, an interesting thing to see how this title caster holds up. Um so yeah, that's that's it. Oh, oh and and I think I found a studio builder. Oh yeah? Yeah. Is it so. some guy that you look under a tree and you're like, hey, man, can you build studios? And he's like, yeah, it's this I dude, can. It's this dude I met at Home Depot. He was picking out paint. And I was like, hey, man, just a weird hunch. You ever build studios? He's like, I'm sure I can figure it out. It's like, sweet. <laughs> nice. Let's come on over the house. <laughs> <laughs> no, I found um, uh, it, we had a preliminary phone call the other night. I walked him through on FaceTime, showed him the basement, talked about what we want to do. Guy out in L.A. He used to live in Atlanta. He's built several very very nice studios over the years including rick beato's studio. Oh. um and rick's studio has held up very very well so uh yeah i think i'm gonna fly him out from la sometime in august and have him like spend a day or two out here just like walk through the space looking at it starting to put some plans together and the idea right now which you know plans change but the plan right now is to start the build out sometime in like early fall, so maybe September October time frame. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. That's exciting. Very That's exciting. Really exciting. I uh you were talking about your solace and talking about uh the the pick guard on that guitar and it reminded me I'm getting a new pick guard for my solace. So, what are you getting? I so I was looking at it the other day and I was like, you know, it's got this the brass saddles and, you know, the Telly Bridge thing and then, you know, the the stainless or whatever that material is. I guess it's steel. Um, Telly Bridge plate. I thought, right. wouldn't it be cool to have a gold pit guard that was like an anodized gold pit guard that yeah. was all beaten through? And Devin was like, well, we don't do anodized gold, but we do aluminum and we paint it gold and then we can wear it. Yeah. And so uh, they're making that for me. It's, it might be done today or uh, Monday. So well, um, the nice thing is, too, you can just walk over there and grab it. Yeah, well, I was over there just talking to the guys. Uh, uh, one of the guys that works at the shop now, had, had, he used to work for Stan Winston Studios. Uh, so he did special effects and a lot of worked in a lot of cool movies. And um, That's cool. Very fun to talk to. But he, uh, we were just talking and Kelly walked up and she was like, hey, what, how, how, how distressed do you want this? And she had it. And I was like, oh, man, <laughs> it's dangerous. This, is, this has been really hard because I get to see every guitar before – you know, Matthew posted online. <laughs> like, oh man. But dude, you should expensive. you should start like an underground like Reddit thread that's like Novo leaks or something like that. <laughs> that would kill me. No, yeah, yeah. Dude, you'd be out on your ass faster than <clears throat> I don't know. I can't finish the rest of the statement. Yeah. All right, we have a rig to dip or what? We do. Uh take me there. Bom 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 bom. One picture. And 
2 picture. Ooh. Oh. So this is... Wow. This is from... Yeah. Uh, I thought... Th- there's a lot to unpack here. There's a lot to unpack here. This is great. This is from Kyle Reagan. Uh, he says, dip my Bogner Firebird rig. So what we got here is a 2012 Gibson Firebird. Uh, I don't I don't know what number that is. It looks like it's just the two pickup uh, one. F- a five. five. Yeah, yeah, that's a five. Uh, oh, he's in the chat. Perfect. Nice. Uh, a Bogner Alchemist, which is a, it's a cool, it's a cool amp. And a, it's something interesting we could talk about. Um, a 2 12 cab with um, Celestian Cyper 65. I don't know what those are. Maybe, I don't either. Super 65. He's got a Schmidt Array board. That's nice. got a bunch of stuff on it. Um, Zcat Big Reverb Boss RE20, Aleka Digital Delay, MXR yep. Phase 90, uh, the TC Electronic Third Dimension Chorus, Ibanez mm-hmm. 850 Fuzz, Pictronics Fat Drive, Nobles ODR Mini, Boss ST1, and Favoretti's Yellow Cab OD. And uh, yeah, it's just a it's a cool rig. And by the way, his pedal board is like. Orange. traffic orange safety cone orange <laughs> that's it yes that is straight up that is exactly what that color is nice all right cool let's start with the guitar god i love a firebird a, re- a white a, firebird too. a white firebird reverse firebird five beautiful absolutely beautiful how would you describe the tone of a firebird and a firebird pickup um oh Wow. Okay. It's the closest thing to a strat that Gibson has ever made. Yeah. Tonally. And and if you you would never think that by looking at that guitar because there is nothing nothing in common with the Fender Stratocaster, not the shape, the scale length, the pickup design, nothing. But those Firebird pickups have a real nice single coil kind of thing going on now it's not a straight up it does you know you're not gonna mistake it for a strat by i I don't think but Mm -hmm. in terms of gibson's lineup that's the best thing i could i could point to at least with mine the the uh, heather mist one that i have that neck pickup gets real stratty and they're pretty low output pickups as well they're not very hot Mm -hmm. which is also really nice um so yeah, that's that's kind of how I would put it. If you're if you're like a diehard single coil person and you like offsets, you should check out Firebird. Or at least Firebird pickups cuz they do a thing. It's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, the, it it's something I've never really dove into, the Firebird pickup. Um but I've always I love the shape and uh now that like I'm <laughs> now that I'm winding pickups, now I made two. Yeah. <laughs> Now that I'm I'm starting to learn more about the construction Listen, now, now that I've become a uh, pickup winder myself, you know, I've kind of just been t- kicking around the idea of... Uh, no, I, man, I, I'm trying not to be like that. It, a lot of people are already messaging me like, hey, that pickup sounds great. Can I order one? It's like, no, like, let me... Guys, <laughs> learn what I'm down. doing. Yeah, like, l- <laughs> just because he did it once doesn't mean he's good at it, okay? No, that's <laughs> you gotta, very you, true. You got to give the man a little uh, <laughs> little time to work his kinks out, right? Yeah, uh, but yeah. yeah, cool guitar, cool cool right. guitar, pedal board. Well, one more thing on the Firebird. You never played mm. one. Ergonomically, they're weird. They're weird to play. They're real so long. Weird. They're weird. They're like shifted to the left. Um, you have to put the strap button in a specific place, or else they neck dive real bad. I mean, 
and that's because the guitar was designed by a car designer. Um, actually pulling it full circle, the man that designed the Firebird is also the man that de- designed the famous yellow checker cab. Uh, speaking of the yellow cab OD on the pedal there, I don't know if that's oh, intentional. Oh, what? But, yeah, that's, uh, that's a nice little little history connection there. So let's move on to this pedal board. So yes. the Schmidt Array boards. Schmidt Array boards are super nice. Um, yeah, it's I have a lot. One, I have one gripe with them. And, and people ask me sometimes, well, like when I did the, the studio board with Mason, I got a lot of comments like, why didn't you do Schmidt Array? Schmidt Array is the best boards. They're great boards. They're fantastic. They're pretty heavy. Oh my gosh, like, they're so heavy. They're they're really heavy. And so if you are trying to travel or especially if you're trying to fly with one, I mean, I know people do it, but I would like to know how much this particular board weighs because <laughs> uh, I can't imagine it's not light. But uh, they're beautiful boards, man. They're incredibly well built. I like the layout of them. But yeah, the weight, the weight's a, a concern for me. It's pretty neat uh, how that, because they have, like a flap on the top so you can put stuff underneath but this one's cool because so the for those listening it's a long schmidt array it's not like the smaller ones like you see the guys in that pedal show using this one's pretty long yeah and uh, it's about width the width wise. of like yeah width of like a two by 12 cap and um on on the right side there's a cutout for his uh, mission expression control yeah which is that's neat I, i've super not neat. seen that um, yeah, yeah 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 it's super cool but yeah, also, so let's. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say also shout out to the BBE Sonic Maximizer. I used to have that oh, very yeah. pedal on my board, and I took it off years ago. And we've talked about it on the show before. But it's one of those things that it just I should have left it on the board. It's like it does. A th- it was an always on thing, um, and it, it just is like sort of like lifting a blanket off of your your guitar sound in a way. Um, I'm oh. surprised I don't see more of those on boards. I think they're kind of overlooked, maybe because people don't really know what they are or well what they do but they're cool i feel like the days of the sonic maximizer you know when you have a lot of buffered pedals and you know before everything was true bypass and stuff you know true bypass you know uh, that's not a a fix but when, when you have a long signal path and not the greatest bypasses on all your pedals it really made a difference but now with with better bypasses and buffers and things i don't think it's as noticeable but it all depends on your setup and what you're trying to accomplish and um uh, kyle just said in the chat that it, with the case for it it weighs 65 pounds <laughs> <laughs> and here's the thing like that board's not that big <laughs> like no for for that board to weigh 65 pounds with the lit like that's a heavy board you couldn't fly with that there's no way you would get no you'd get charged an overage fee every time you flew which are pretty substantial depending on the airline. Yeah. Um, but, you know, still, I don't, I don't want to rag on Schmidt Array. I think that's the only gripe I have with them is the weight, but that's it. Yeah. Um, so uh, let's go through some of this. So I forgot to mention that he had the BBE Sonic Stomp. Uh, Zcat Big Reverb, not familiar with that. Um, Me neither. I think it's above that expression control there. Um the RE20, that thing's awesome. The Boss RE20. I love those, man. So the RE20 basically is the pedal version of an RE201 Space Echo. Yeah. Which is one of the coolest tape echoes of all time. I have the Multi Echo from Multivox, which is kind of their take on the 201. Um, forehead tape echo with a built-in spring tank. It's it's cool, man. You can do a lot of cool stuff with a 201. Yeah. 
Yeah. So uh, love the pedal. Aleka Digital Delay. Not familiar with that one. Um, it's another yeah. orange pedal here. Got a theme uh, going on though. Yeah, yeah. We got some digging the orange, which I appreciate that. And the phase 90. The phase 90, yeah. You've got you got some some nice things going on here. And the Ivan is um, 850. Right. Right. So overall, so you've got how many stages of overdrive? One, two, three, four different overdrive pedals. Uh, yes. And when the Ibanez, what's the Ibanez thing on the? So the Ibanez mini? 850 uh, is a fuzz. It's like a big muff uh, uh, from from a circuit standpoint. So it's a big muff style fuzz. Interesting that that you have it after the overdrives. Yeah, I mean, some I people would, like slamming it that way. Maybe, maybe. Uh, nice. So, and then onto the amp. Let's talk about this amp. This is the first Bogner we've had on the show. Yes. So, are you familiar with the Alchemist at all? No. So, the Bogner Alchemist is, is, is pretty interesting. So, this was... Do you remember when Line 6 made that... I think it was like the DT20. It was that amp that you could change all the preamps and the power amps, and it was all like a... It wasn't modeling. It was actually analog things, and you could change everything, and it was, no. it was small. They, they were pretty cool. And the Alchemist is a collaboration between Bogner and Line Six. So Line uh. Six, I think, produced it, but Reinhold Bogner designed it. And um, it's a two-channel thing. It has uh, a boost, but it also had some built-in effects as a delay, like a ducking analog and a tape delay sound with a tap button on the face, which is awesome. Cool. Uh, and also has a, a plate hall and spring reverb built in. And you could cool. switch it from like, well, depending on the model, they were, had switchable wattages. But, you know, they actually sound pretty wicked. Uh, I think a lot of people kind of, they doubt anything Line 6 makes, or at least from a few years ago, I think they've got out of that. Uh, yeah. You know, but back when this was coming out, I think people were still like, oh, you, it's like a spider with tubes in it, you know, because <laughs> this is a full fat tube amp. This is not, you know, it right. has a lot of things going on that aren't necessarily tube, like the delay and stuff. But yeah, every channel has some switches for like clean or crunch, bright, deep. And then the gain channel has like a punch, a bright, a mid shift. So it has a lot of tonal variation. But I remember playing this when it was out and thinking, you know what? This sounds pretty wicked. And they yeah. now they're now they're pretty cheap. So if you can find one and you could try it, you can probably score it for, you know, four, I like Bogner stuff. I really do. I, I I've never owned one. I almost mm. bought a um Oh, God, this was years ago. This is when I was shopping for my, and I ended up with my divided by 13, my FTR. I played a used Bogner. Oh, God, it was a combo. Shiva? 112. It might have been a Shiva, and it had a road case, and it was like ready to go. And I liked that. I was like, oh, this could be a really good option. Cause I just landed that gig touring with uh, the Muddy Mags at that point, and I needed a good like road amp. Yeah. Um, and it was, the Bogner stuff's really cool. Uh, a friend of mine, Rod Castro, uh, who's a mm-hmm. session guy, touring guy out in LA, plays with a lot of the big pop acts out there. He tours a lot with the Kemper, but his one amp that he does everything with is a Bogner. And I f- I f- it's actually like a signature Bogner that he's done with oh, Reinhold. Really? Yeah, it's it's like a it's a blend of two different amps. I have to touch base with Rod and see exactly what it I need to circle back, touch base, <laughs> and we'll re up uh <laughs> and see what's what's going on with that but yeah the bogner stuff's really cool yeah i i had a friend that had a shiva and a head 
And I think both of the transformers were on one side of the amp. So when you picked you it pick, up, it was like, just go like, because I mean, it's, it's like a JCM 800 size right. uh, amp head. It's huge. Right. Yeah. yeah. With both transformers over there, it's, oh, it's like impossible to carry. You need like box, you know, handles on the side. Right. But right. Uh, the, I think they made the gold finger. Yep. Uh, and a, uh, they they went through a phase of like making small like combos that were kind of like weird and there was stuff that was based off like brown face deluxes and stuff. I, I've played a bunch of them and most of them have always impressed me. But yeah. the Shiva I think is like that one's the one to get if you're gonna yeah. get one. So. Yeah, they're cool, man, and they make great pedals too. Yeah, I tried a few of their overdrives and their fuzzes. The ones that have the the Neve transformers in them, uh-huh. the R N D I transformers, uh, and they're really good. They sound good. So, yeah, props for the Bogner, man. I dig yeah. it. I'm surprised. So, That's one of those brands that I'm surprised that more people – I feel like I just don't see a lot of players playing Bogner stuff. I mean, there's a there's a handful of people out there, but they're not like one of the premier brands, which is weird to me because they're really good. Reinhold's been on the scene for a long time out in L.A. Started off, I believe, like modding Marshalls for like all the guys out mm-hmm. in L.A. scene back in the 80s. Uh, and I think he was one of – the first like quote-unquote boutique builders out there yeah Um, right around the time like i think mike's and i could be wrong about this i'm i'm working off of very distant memory so uh take my words with a grain of salt here but i i think it was not long after like mike soldano started doing his thing out out in the valley that uh reinholt started you know producing stuff but right someone in the chat or comments can correct me on that yeah, I think it's just one of those things like it ebbs and flows and, and things, you know, fall in and out of favor, but doesn't change the fact that something's good, Yeah, you know, but yeah. I mean, for a time, it's like you just, you saw Bogners everywhere and, you know, diesels and, and things, you know, with gain kept getting higher and higher and you see, you know, the trends happen and then, you know. That's an uh, interesting discussion on the, the guitar trends that we've seen come and go. Yeah. Um, the guitar right, hype so train. Yeah. Let's, let's dip this rig here. So. Let me scroll back up and take a look at the uh, – and keep it up with the chat here. All right. So for me, you're getting some strong points for the Firebird. Uh-huh. Um, you're getting some strong points for the Bogner too. Even though I've never played one, it's a cool head. It's a unique amp. A um, lot of options. It's, it, is, it is passing my – breaking my rule of like more knobs than uh, – uh, what is my rule? <laughs> I used to have a rule with amps. Like if it, has, if it has more knobs than – uh something watts. <laughs> yeah if it has more knobs than watts it's not uh the and the board is super cool too it's really clean um i'm trying to think if i would add anything to the board here and i don't i don't think i would man right I mean, for that rig and for what you're doing i mean i feel like that's pretty solid that's a pretty solid setup um I really like this also props for the the orange gaff tape on your your cab <laughs> so when you're on the you're on listen that was a game changer for me what the first time i put gaff tape on a cab it because it doesn't matter who's miking your cab it just tells them hey here's where i want the mic right because if you don't have that dude you'll have sound guys i've had guys put 50 like i've been on a gig where several gigs where a sound guy who's deaf because he's been doing sound his whole career has (laughs) takes a 57 and has one mic on my amp and puts it right on the dust cap of the speaker oh man it's like bro that sounds bad (laughs) you're gonna make me sound bad so So yeah just put a little square little 90 degree angle of uh of gaff tape on your cab and it just lets it lets the engineer know hey this is where i'd like the mic please yeah 
props Simple. for that. I'm going to give this rig 8.8 shoals. Nice. Yeah, Solid I, rig. I think I would pare down maybe a few of the overdrives and maybe yeah. get something else interesting in there because I feel like, you know, I'm not sure what that taxi pedal is. I mean, based off the description you gave me, it's probably Tube Screamer Drive. And I think the fat drive from Pictronics is kind of Tube Screamery and the SD1 is a Tube Screamery thing. So, yeah, I might like mix it up. The OD, ODR1's not, um, it's a different thing. Even though it's green, it's not a Tube Screamer. People. I think you could get away with two of those overdrives in the fuzz. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, so I would mix it up. But I, I think it's a solid eight. Yeah. Yeah. Look at us. There we In go. The same ballpark once again. We've yet to have like, do we need we need a controversial rig? We need to like we need yes. to find someone's rig that one of us loves and the other one just hates. Well, how about this? Everybody, if you're if you're a patron and uh you've submitted a rig, s- submit another make up a new one. Just take things and smush it together and make a rig that that will make Rhett and I fight. <laughs> <laughs> Like a rig that I would love and he would hate or vice Dude, versa. Dude, we're trying. Like, we need some beef on the yeah. show here. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. Beef, Perfect. beef your rig or something like that. There you go. Oh, the Pictronics fat drive is a CMOS. Okay. So that's different. Nice. But you can make, you know what? You can use a CMOS chip to make a tube screamer. So <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Doesn't everyone know that? My God. I knew that. It's like the most <laughs> basic thing ever. My God, it's like the first thing you learn when you pick up your electrics. Like, just so you know, you can use a CMOS chip mm-hmm. to make a tube screamer. Anyway. So you brought up an interesting point with uh, with trends here. The guitar world, I think specifically the electric guitar world, can be a somewhat trendy space. Oh. <laughs> trendy in terms of brands, in terms of rigs, in terms of styles of playing. I've definitely seen it in my uh, 10 years, first 10 years of playing guitar professionally, uh, specifically around the church world. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of trend, uh, trend setters and trends follow trend followers in that world over the years. I remember like when Gretsch, like if you were going to play worship music, you had to have a Falcon. Oh, and if yeah. you didn't have a Falcon, it was like, dude, you just weren't, you know, you couldn't do your thing on stage. And then it was like when Duesenberg hit the scene Everyone and their brother sold their Gretches to go get a star player TV. Right. And then, right. Yeah. Dennis had a thing going on there for the early Fano stuff was really hot in that, that scene for a while too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's interesting. Like what, what other trends have you noticed and what trends have stuck around or you think are going to stick around for the long run here? Man, I don't know. I'd have to, this is something we should have planned ahead. Um, <laughs> I mean, guitars, you definitely see like, like for like, especially with the praise and worship community. And that's not a community I, I live in, but there was a time where like every image of that was like a Veritas guitar uh huh, or, you know, something like that. Um, I mean, I think some things are here to stay like Strymon, like being a staple for, the majority of people like you know you got to have the holy trinity of uh the big big units for those sort of that, words that can be kind of a controversial thing though like i know i've gotten some heat on the strifecta thing like <laughs> strifecta people uh you know people roasting me on the jhs show one time i had people roast my pedal board and that was like one thing that a lot of people gave me shit for oh jesus was the uh was the strifecta you know 
but I get it, right? It's it's kind of the idea of like d- who really needs all three of those giant multi-effect kind of powerhouses. I mean, even yeah, like on the, on my timeline, <laughs> I use typically like four of the presets of the sounds. I use the tape sound, the bucket brigade sound, the digital sound, uh, and occasionally like the lo-fi sound. But that's yeah. it. I don't even yeah. touch the rest of the pedal. Man, it's it's interesting. <clears throat> I, I think because the majority of the world I live in now is like curated by YouTube and Instagram. Right. Uh, As it should be. Okay? <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> so it's funny. Like I, the things I see, and maybe not, hype is not the right word. Just it's like what everyone, what trends for moments are like, especially on YouTube and not calling any names, uh, but cheap guitars. Uh-huh. Like, there's always like that one Amazon brand of the moment that right. people go apeshit over and like people, oh, they're really great. The Firefly guitars or whatever. It's like, oh, they're right. great. And they're a hundred bucks. It's like, no, they're not. And shut right. up. <laughs> but like everyone talks about that sort of thing. I jumped on the cheap away. guitar. I jumped on the cheap guitar bandwagon a few months ago, you know, when I went and bought that. A Dan, uh, but a Dan, Dan Electro is not like a crappy. You're talking about like. The- like a hundred dollar Amazon, yeah, like a two hundred dollar semi hollow guitar. Like, the, the, there's no way, no way. <laughs> you know, like if it has a truss rod, let's hope it works. Like those sort of things, or, or right. like the trends of like, did you hear Amazon's making pedals? A, no, they're not. B, who cares? You know, like those sort of things. <laughs> God, I'm <laughs> so f- uh, I've been having f- a hard week, and I'm letting it all out on this. It's all right, man. This is it. This is what we're here for. You know, we're we're ranty, and uh, you know, this is what we do. But Philip from the Forty Watt Podcast, a uh, friend of the show, says, "This is my hot take. It's not there yet, but it's coming back. Big amps are coming back. Captor X, Oxbox, Iron Man are game changers for folks that want to play big amps. That's interesting. I think not." I think the days of the big amps are numbered. I think they are. In terms of, of younger players that uh-huh. are interested in and in, in like the next generation of players that are going to be gigging and traveling and doing their thing, I think as the modeler game gets better and the plug-in game continues to become more ubiquitous in the guitar world, the days of the big amps, man, I think are are numbered. Because logistically... I just had rehearsal this week with Noah. We um, uh, were playing in Minnesota on Saturday, tomorrow on Saturday. And um, I'm flying for the gig, thankfully, because of the. I'm still not 100%, so I don't want to ride 18 hours in the van one way. <laughs> but what I did was I, I sent my rig up with them in the trailer, and I've got my bad cat head in a case, I've got my 212 cab in a road case, and three guitars in the vault. And uh, that rig is just going to live up in Na- in South Carolina for the foreseeable future. It could live up there for the next couple of years because I'm getting tired of lugging like big amps around to rehearsals and gigs and stuff. And especially when you have things like the Helix or the Quad Cortex or the Kemper or the Axe Effects or hell, maybe your damn iPad or something. Right. And they sound really good. I don't know. I just don't I don't know that I see the next generation of players really adopting the big tube amp thing. Right. It, it's it's so interesting because like you see amp companies making big amps and thriving like Two Rock arguably makes some of the loudest amps in the boutique industry. <laughs> right. Know? Uh and people are crazy about them. I know 
you know, Philip has a two rock and, you know, I do too. And even though mine's 40 watts, it's the loudest 40 watts I've ever heard next to oh, like a yeah. doc, like a, my Z-Rack that I had. Right. But, you know, I think for the next generation, the modeling thing is going to be the thing. Uh, and not because, you know, they don't know any better. It's like the old gear is still here. It's just that is what they're creating with and, and gives them the tools to express themselves. And I think it makes sense. But from, you're right. From a a gigging standpoint, I've always said if I had to gig, like like really gig, I would be taking a, a modeling setup. Yeah. Because it just makes sense for the... the uh, when you're watching a, a performance, as long as it sounds good, no one's going to care. You know, taking yeah. all that other stuff is for is for you, the player, and not for the audience. So right. that's, that's like a hard pill to swallow. But, I mean, it's never been easier to gig with big amps. Uh, and to that end, he's absolutely right. Uh, using the attenuators or the speaker, you know... Things the boxes that, yeah, yeah the load yeah. boxes and and you're right and, and i don't i'm not going to sit here and say like oh tube amps are going to die off and nobody's going to be using tube amps in 10 years this is not the case but i don't i don't personally know that we're going to see a, a resurgence where and what i'm talking about is like even beyond two rock because the reality is yes brands like two rock and and divided by 13 and and uh like the boutique amps distribution line of friedman and soldano and morgan like they're doing really well but you have to remember like their market share of like the broader guitar market in general is like this big. Yeah. And so if we're talking about trends and like trends across the guitar world of people that are gigging and at home players and, and like what's kind of the next thing, I just don't think I, I see big traditional tube amps coming back. I, I think it's going to be more along the lines of like a hybrid setup, like a tube preamp power kind of like what rev is doing right yeah. where it's that combined with ir modeling and, and cab simulation or it's just going to be modelers basically running everything because the reality is you're right man from a traveling from a logistical perspective it's just easier especially if you're running in-ears which a lot of uh, artists and bands are as the cost of in-ear rigs start to come down you know it's just it makes a lot of sense with that said it felt really great to be playing like an old school analog rig this week. Right. Like I'm yeah. not using a Capture X or anything. I'm just micing a cab mm-hmm. and it felt good. Yeah. Well, and, and Philip just reminded me, um, Fender just really announced the Tone Master Super Reverb, which I'm is, excited about that, which is very cool. And he says, you know, still calling it a big amp, even with the solid state weight drop. But the thing about that is also you can play it at like, like a watt. Or something yeah and you can go di out on the back you yeah. can do all the stuff that the and it's a mo- it's do. a modeler you know like uh it's it's definitely an amp but i do think that that is where the industry is heading and like it's i'm, I'm curious i i want to see who else is going to hop on this 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 bandwagon in in a good way and it's yeah. funny because like speaking of hypes and getting back on that remember when Korg announced the new tube, mm-hmm. like that was all anyone talked about. And they made those like little new tube heads that had like the little right. tube. In it. And mm-hmm. I, I played one and it sounded really good, but that just kind of disappeared. And I don't know if the, 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 the industry or well, the, the customer base or, you know, the community at large kind of, 
torpedoed that and said, we mm. don't want, we want EL-84s. It was probably too soon. I think if, yeah. if they debuted that now, it would be a different a different sort of thing. Because when did the new tube come out? I mean, that was a, that was years ago. Yeah, it's. I mean, I don't. I don't even remember. It feels like. Gosh, it feels like ten years ago. Yeah, and at that time, modeling was still very like taboo and like, right. Not well, cool. I think the idea of the new tube is that you know it's 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 some sort of replacement of um of a tube. You know, it's a triode sort of thing. Right. Um, and what's interesting is you can just buy them. Like I would, <laughs> I could buy them and put them in a pedal. And, uh, you know, I, it's, it's an interesting idea. I don't see 2017. I'm looking back on, on Google yeah, to I'm see like articles. Too. I don't know when it became like what B and H photo Korg new. Yeah. I just saw, I just saw B and H pop up. <laughs> what are they doing? Oh, they have like headphone amps. Okay. That's probably what it is. It. Um, but you know, I'm I'm curious to see where that thing goes, where tube alternatives go. Because I mean, talk about something that's gonna die within yeah. our lifetime. Well maybe oh, for not. sure. No, it will. It'll yeah. definitely die. Tubes are not gonna be around forever. They're just not. I mean, mm-hmm. you can't to produce them and manufacture them, you can't do it here in the States. <laughs> it just no. it can't happen. So it's gonna go back. It's staying in Russia and China and um you know there are still other industries that use use tubes. We've talked about this before, but they uh, they're just not that that. So I don't know. I, I, that's a whole other discussion of like, should you buy all the tubes now? Should you start stockpiling? But I don't think we're there yet. Well, another thing that talking about like hype and um, trends, maybe um, like kind of piggybacking off the Strymon thing. A lot of people for for a while had like every multi effect and it was all mm-hmm. midi switchable and all that and i feel like that it's kind of we're kind of going back i mean cuz this just it's a roller coaster right it goes sure. up and down that we're going back to the more classic no preset kind of thing that i mean not that that the presets and all that are ever going to go away but i feel like players they get all that stuff and they go this is awesome and then they they pull that old like delay or fuzz or whatever out of the closet and they plug a few pedals up and they're, oh this is this is absolutely all I need. And then they make a pedal board with all that and all the other stuff goes away. And then some new modeling thing comes out and they make it all over again. But I feel like in 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 the pedal industry for me, like my my whole philosophy has always been I'm only going to sell what I like. Uh very, you know, snakes and sparkler firework salesman, uh Joe Dirt. <laughs> kind of mentality but i think people have have latched onto that in the community at large right i I was nervous with the oracle it's like this is not what anyone expects right because everyone expects every single feature does it have a midi sync does it have you know subdivisions does it have all this stuff and it's like doesn't have any of that doesn't have nothing doesn't even have trim pots inside it so the, the success of that has shown me that there is definitely a market that's bigger than just the people who are older than us who who you know live and die by the analog man type of pedal builder like they you know they're wanting that classic thing from new companies and i think we're seeing a lot of that i think that's going to become like one of the next trends in the pedal community um, yeah well and the thing about it is like the guitar world is such a wide spectrum of people and players and and sounds and what people are looking for and that's what's interesting about these trends is you can have a, a trend sweep like one whole 
section of the guitar world that like another guitar player might not even ever hear about. They might not ever know about, right? I mean, like right. I'm not a metal guy, so I'm completely unplugged from the like the trends and things that are happening in the metal world or extended range guitars or progressive rock world and, and things like that because it's just not my scene. It's just not where where I live. And the reality is the type of guitar stuff that I like and the sounds that I like are the really old school, you know, kind of things. And and there's not a ton happening in that space right now. I think the biggest areas of progression and the newest trends that are happening in guitar right now are based in that progressive rock metal scene or in sort of uh what was you know <laughs> a big playing trend of the past couple of years like the instagram neo soul like pickup jazz thing yeah uh which is cool i mean that's inspired that's been really big with the younger players you know the people that are like 10 years younger than me in their early 20s that's been big for them and so you're gonna see a big portion of the guitar community that came up in that kind of sound and, and with the watching those kind of players and following those people on instagram pick up those type of instruments and go for that kind of sound, which a lot of them are going like DI straight into a DAW or they're using um, like a lot of modulation and things like that to get some really interesting guitar sounds. And they're not even, they don't even own an amp, right? They've never even owned a tube amp or anything like that, which again, it's not a bad thing, right? I'm not going to sit here and say like, Oh, you're not a real guitar player unless you've had a pair of six V sixes, you know, heating up your one twelve. I don't know who Tilly's talking to in there, but she's <laughs> having a good time. Um, All good. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I just, it's interesting, man. I think. Uh, okay. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Like, anyway. <laughs> but yeah, that's. Um, uh, now I've lost my train of thought. But there you go. That's fine. Well, I, and here's here's one thing that I'm always curious about, like with the with the new, with the younger players who haven't experienced that, who haven't like got to sit down with a loud tube amp and just nothing crazy just play an e chord like that that's a visceral experience and i mean do you think eventually that whole thing is just going to go away no because these people don't they don't know the joy of it (laughs) (laughs) you've never known the joy of a hundred watt marshall i don't think it's going to go away it's not going to go away because i don't think the the music that was created with those tools is going to go away. Well, no. Right. I, I don't, at least not in our lifetime, I don't see people like not listening to Led Zeppelin anymore. Right. They're, Even they're younger listening. generations. They're all about the Greta Van Fleet. Well, right. But that's the thing is like, no matter <laughs> no. how you find it, right. You are, you can, if you are a music nerd or you're into music, right. You're going to naturally find your way back to these things i mean we all did right right like you you find your thing that you really like and you're like well who influenced this person where did their sound come from and you find that thing and with spotify now like all the algorithms recommending stuff to you it's like inevitable so you know and i I just had this thought and we can't talk about this today it's it's this is too deep and this maybe we could talk about this next week is there have you found music happening today especially in the rock and guitar centric realm that have as good a playing and as good a songs as stuff from, you know, a few generations back or maybe a few generations, like a generation back because like without going down this road, I was driving to work and had some like 
modern like blues rock playlist whatever on spotify like happened it just i was like ah, i'll try that and every song even some like well-known players i was just kind of like skip skip like th- there's nothing happening that's pulling me in and making me go oh this is cool and, but but i feel that about a lot of like more pop centric guitar music and things uh-huh. like that like that pulls me in and it's more interesting and i don't know if i'm just fatigued by it all but this is something we should touch on because I'm curious to see what you think about it. Yes, there is still stuff being made that that pulls me in. Um, but I understand what you're saying in that like you kind of have to sift through the the fluff to get the and, good stuff. Well, but, a lot of people in the chat are mentioning a lot of bands, but some of these bands have been around for like 15, yeah, 20 yeah, years. Like, 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 like new bands. Yeah, new bands. Kings of Leon, Black Keys. Like, yeah, guys, that was like 2004 five to 2010 like yeah yeah we're talking about bands today and and yes i mean the reality is yes there are bands out there i mean and and if it depends on the genre you're talking about but you know you look at bands like uh like krung bin for example they're not like straight ahead rock but they're doing really cool stuff Mm -hmm. um some of the stuff that like is coming on npr tiny desk concerts you know like um idols dude like what idols is doing is badass i don't know if you know them uh they're like a punk band um i don't know where, where's idols from but somebody in the chat can let me know uh i'm a big fan of um of uh oh my god we have to cut this out why am i blanking on the on the name rival sons like the yeah. rival sons records i really love you know sure. and that's kind of in that like zeppelin sort of vein of what mm-hmm. of what they're doing so and but i would also posit that the same thing might've been happening to a different degree back in the sixties and seventies. We only listened to the great bands because those are the ones that really stood out and stood the test of time. But I would say there was just as much like stuff, you know, crap, so to speak being made and not to say that oh, someone's yeah. is crap, but the, the, there was so much sort of fluff out there back in the sixties and seventies that we don't listen to now because it just didn't last. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, uh, I'm just curious. Because, and, and and I'm thinking mainly in that very much like classic guitar rock band or, or blues rock band. And because, you know, a lot of things that I've heard, and this again, okay, we can't, we should say yeah, we this. can. Zach, we should, this is our podcast. We can I know, talk about whatever the hell we've we want. We've been going for like an hour and I don't want to. <laughs> oh, okay. 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 Um, I, I, I just, it's hard for me when I'm listening to stuff to, and maybe this is just me getting older to just not compare it to everything in the past. And I try not to do that because like, to, you know, I can't listen to Stevie Ray Vaughan without hearing Albert King, you know? Mm-hmm. So is it fair for me to like get grumpy at Philip Sace when I listen to him and just hear Stevie Ray Vaughan? Like, no, right. that's not fair. But right. like Stevie Ray Vaughan didn't necessarily play songs like Albert King. He just played guitar like him. You know, it's like, right. You couldn't swap the singers and it was the same. It sounded like the same song. So like those are the things that I like I want. I want to go down that rabbit hole and find that sort of thing that's that, that speaks to me because people ask me all the time, like, what do you listen to? Like, what's getting you like excited about guitar? And it's like nothing that direction. It's all mm-hmm. uh, different, a lot more poppy. And, you know, I would I thing. would agree with that, that. Like, there's not a lot that I've heard recently. Other than like Doyle Bramhall, his latest record from a few years ago, Shades, mm-hmm. I really love that record, and that's got me excited about playing guitar. 
Um, but it's, it is few and far between now as a guitar player. But I would also say that I've been in that vein of listening and playing for so long that I'm probably pretty jaded. Right. And, and I've, I've kind of like, it just sort of not turned my nose up at it, but I'm I'm just kind of like, okay, we, we, I've heard that a thousand times before. Right. But if I was a young player coming into it now, I mean, I would have a completely different mindset towards it. Yeah. You know, and, and to that end, I think we should at some point touch on like the retreading of tone because again, like listen to that stuff. It's just like, wow, this, you know, rival sons, even though they're very much Led Zeppelin, Led Zeppelin inspired, like I don't, you wouldn't confuse the two. No, you know, no. And a big part of that is Dave Cobb, the producer. Yeah. Dave Cobb is like the fifth or sixth member of that band basically. And, uh, um, right. that's those records have a sound to them and a feel to them in the songs. Those yeah. things like they have, they have songs. Yeah. They're cool. Like, yeah, that's, it's not thing. just about the guitar. T- and, and I think what you were talking about is more so like the music is in service of the playing. Yes. And that's where I lose it. Same. That's where I can't stick with it because it's like, it doesn't matter. Like we're all guitar players. We love guitar, right? I love yeah. the, the sound of like a, a Les Paul into a Marshall. But if that, if the entire song or the entire album is based around the fact that you're just playing a Les Paul into a Marshall and there's not an actual song there, I can't stick with it. Yeah. Man, but that's just me. I'm right there with you. Some of my favorite bands who are like classic guitar bands like ACDC, even Jimi Hendrix, some of the like my favorite tunes that they ever had for ones that there's not really a guitar solo. Uh-huh. You know, it's yeah. like this is just a fun song and the song is good enough without it. And like that's that I don't know. I think that's something that 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 comes with age and experience and stuff too as a player and, and as someone who listens to music. You just can't you can only listen to so many solos, or at least I can. Right. So but right. I think we should we should we should do some research and come back and visit this and have a, a real deep conversation about it. Sure. All right. I'm here for that. Let's do it. What uh you got a you got a shill of the week here? I do. And I don't think I've ever I don't I hope I haven't done this. Uh do you have one? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I got one laying around right now. Uh I was nervous about this because I thought, what do I have at the shop that's not something that's just a pedal? But I have this. I got this on Amazon recently. Uh this is a fluke multimeter. Fluke, man. Fluke is probably one of the best multimeter brands out there. And this this one uh is just like 50 bucks, which is kind of expensive for a multimeter, but right. um it doesn't test like you can't use this to like check your your outlet in you know in your den or something. <laughs> right. It can't handle that. Right. But for checking your pickups, uh checking potentiometers, um and, and just checking to see if things are working because everybody should learn how to use one of these to to check your your ohms for your pickups for balancing things and checking your pots and stuff that's important but having a continuity tester to check if your guitar is grounded you just yep. like touch things together to make sure that things are grounded right you can solve so many issues with this and you don't have to spend 50 bucks you can get like a 13 dollar one as long mm-hmm. as it has a continuity tester and you th- these are things you'll you'll chase problems and chase problems and then realize oh my ground wire isn't connected and that's right. why things don't work and save yourself time and headache and in your guitar toolkit leatherman tool allen keys multimeter there you go 
Um, I don't have a shield this week. <laughs> I just, That's I, fine. I don't have one. I'm sorry. I didn't think about it, and there's nothing here on the desk that I want to talk about. So uh, there you go. No shill this week. I'll have one next week. Maybe I'll do two next week. Yeah, double up. Uh, double uh. up. I think next week's episode might be in person. Well, should we do it here? We should do it there. Let's do it there. <laughs> the AC isn't great, so we'll be just warm and sweating Sweaty. Together. Just two dudes yeah. sweating. I guess I should bring my mic and stuff then. We're going to do that. Well, Because you only Matt- have one mic. Matthew has his roadcaster with two little road... Cast oh, mics and stuff. So sick. Steal that. Look at us. <laughs> We're gonna be like one of those uh TikTok pages that just all we do is make a podcast so we can put clips on TikTok of us talking about. <laughs> oh, guitars. I thought you were gonna say we can steal other people's dances. <laughs> <laughs> People in the chat are saying my shield of the week is the titanium in my collarbone. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. yeah. Do you set off metal detectors now? I don't know. I'm about to find out tomorrow morning. It's funny. I think I will. What's the thing where you have to walk through? I'm not going to be able to do that. You know, the, oh, the spinning the, where you can't, because I can't lift my right hand. This is as high as my right arm will go right now. So yeah. I'm just going to have to tell him, like, I can't do it. And plus, you're going to see something in my body that looks like a bomb. It's not a bomb. Oh, don't say that. <laughs> don't even it's not a bomb. Not a bomb. Not a bomb. <laughs> yeah, don't. don't. Uh, yeah. Nice. All right, everyone. Well, thanks for hanging out. Episode 42 of Dipped in Tone. We'll That's see it. you all next week. We're getting back on the trailer here, or on the, on the bandwagon. The trailer. The band <laughs> trailer. Ba- getting back in the trailer here, boy. Get, get your ass back in the trailer and start working on this podcast again <laughs> Don't there, make boy. Don't get the hose. <laughs> <laughs> all right. See you all. All right.